I think that I mentioned this last time I, I brought the word. One of the things I love about bringing the word to God's people is this thing, and I know everyone doesn't experience this, but I almost always experience this. And on those Sundays or, or whenever it is when I'm going to talk to God's people, I wake up early and I can, I can hear God in my spirit speaking to me in a unique way. I mean, that happens sometimes that uh, in prayer that we just sense the presence of God and we sense what he's saying. But when I'm bringing the word of God to God's people, it, it always happens every Sunday morning, and I love it. And this morning, I really loved it because as I, as I lay in bed and I just listened, and as God was running through some things in my mind, I had one of those moments where he said, okay, now that I have your attention, there's a few other things that I'd like to talk with you about. <laughs> have you ever had that happen? And it's a wonderful thing. And, and so um, I was thinking, you know, I should get up and go to my place in prayer, but I thought, you know what, this is working pretty well right here. So I'm just going to stay in the zone. Don't you love the presence of God and how he speaks to us? He reveals himself to us. And that's how transformation takes place in our lives is as God reveals himself to us, we are changed. We can't help but be changed when God reveals himself to us. And this is what following Jesus is all about, is that as we walk with him, we know him in a deeper way, our character is changed and we're transformed. I have been enjoying Pastor Randy's messages the last couple of weeks. I would have enjoyed them for longer than that, but we were gone. <laughs> but I've, I've been enjoying those messages about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And one of the things that we, that we focus on often in the development of, of leaders, development of teams, development of pastors is servant leadership. You know, leadership isn't, and I'll share some scriptures along, along the way, but leadership isn't just being the boss and being able to tell everyone how things should go. But there is servant leadership where we embrace the character and the nature of Christ in the way that we lead, in the way that we serve, in the way that we live. And Jesus championed this. And as, as Aaron was saying, you know, we had a life before we came to South Africa. There were things that we were engaged in. And one of those things was for a couple of decades, for a little over two decades, uh, was in leadership of our churches in the state of Indiana in the U.S., 230 churches, pastors, pastoral staff, 700 ministers, that were part of the Indiana Fellowship and then our interface in the U.S. And so for the last 20 years, one of the things that I've, I've done is go into different churches and uh, just be a blessing to serve in any way that I can. Sunday ministry always involved getting in the car and driving a long ways and bringing a word from the Lord. It's my, my privilege to be here today and to to speak into your lives from the Word of God. And so, 
The last time I preached at North Place, I preached about finding our why and knowing our why and anchoring in our why. This could be considered a sequel to that message, if you will. <laughs> Maybe a part two to that message. But I want to start with Philippians chapter 2. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11, uh, there is a lot there. So to walk through that as, as we begin this, this message, that we are servants. We are to have servants' hearts. That the example that Jesus set for us was to serve. And this isn't something that, that comes naturally to our human nature. Serving others is a little unnatural at times, but this is the example that Jesus set for us, and we want to have the heart of Jesus Christ, amen? And we want to live our lives according to the model and the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to begin in verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And as we work that passage of Scripture from the bottom up, we end with the fact that, that Jesus is Lord. We end with the fact that Jesus is worthy for every knee on earth to bow before him, to honor him as king, that every tongue on planet earth should confess that Jesus is Lord because Jesus is fully God. And so Jesus is worthy of our worship. And Jesus being in that, in that place, when we go back and we begin to look at the example of Christ, as we look at the middle of that passage, that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be grasped. In other words, Jesus had the full right to grasp being in the form of God, Jesus was in full right to grasp equality with God. You know, if I got something coming to me, I want it. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> and it can be frustrating when we, when we know that one thing is a reality, but we're being treated in another way. Uh, things should be one way, but that's not how things are happening. Things are happening in another way. And that can be very difficult, and sometimes I want to grasp. I want to grasp leadership. I want to grasp the authority that should be mine in a situation. I'll tell you guys a little bit of a secret. 
I, I love being a part of a church where I don't have to wear a suit and I don't have to wear a tie. You know, things began to transition many years ago, but for like the first 15 years of, well, I mean, for about the first 20 years of ministry, I don't know, somewhere it began to transition, but I would get up and I would go to the office every day, white shirt, pressed, medium starch, long sleeve, an undershirt under that, and a tie, and a suit, and black shoes that were polished. You can tell a lot about a man by looking at his shoes. And if you ever see a man who has the front of his shoes polished and the back of his shoes are not polished, that tells you something about a man. And there would be times that a church would be in conflict, a church would be in turmoil. I'm sure Pastor Dylan knows all about this and his roles. But sometimes a church would be in turmoil and would come into that situation to have a business meeting, to have a family meeting. And on those occasions, I have to admit that I would put on the tie and the shirt and I would polish the shoes front and back. Because when I walked into that business meeting, there were going to be people that were angry, and I wanted to hold on to the authority. And you know what? Sometimes I held on to more authority than I actually have, but if people think you have authority, that's most of the battle. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you act like you've got authority, (laughs) and maybe they'll believe you. And that's the way it went a lot of times, but to have that commanding presence and when someone says something foolish, you just look at them and you don't crack a smile. We want to grasp, we want to grasp authority. And I'm not saying that we should not comport ourselves with bearing and behavior appropriately to the situations that we are in. But when we look at this, Jesus Jesus did not grasp authority. Jesus just was authority. It says that he did not grasp, but he emptied himself. And the word emptying is, the word that's used there is a theological term. It's a Greek word, but it's also a well-studied theological term of kenosis, which is the act of emptying. This is the self-emptying of Jesus' own will and becoming entirely receptive to God's divine will. I can feel something rise up in my spirit when I say that. That this is the example that Jesus set, is the self-emptying of his own will and becoming entirely receptive to God's divine will. And in the humanity, Jesus being fully God and Jesus being fully man in the incarnation, the willingness to set aside his own will to embrace the divine will is the example that we follow. It says that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, the ultimate transgression of his own will. And yet, as we Go back up a little further. We see that the apostle is saying in Philippians 2, this is the mind that you ought to have among yourselves, 
it's not just the mind that we should have, but it's the mind that we should have among ourselves as the body of Christ. Are you with me? That this example that Jesus set is the example that we should follow and we should have this attitude in our interactions one with another. We should have this attitude in our interactions in every relationship in our lives that Jesus has called us to have that servant's heart as he had. And when we are in a leadership or an authority situation that we are to lead as in a way that we are serving because to come all the way back up to verse 3, again, it's saying, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. We could say that in a lot of ways. We could say, do nothing according to what I am wanting to accomplish in this negotiation. That can be very difficult. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And so in that we're understanding, and I'm going to talk about humility and all of that, but as we look at that, count others more significant than yourselves. Another way we could say that is the way we treat people ought to reflect that we value them, that we value them. And our actions should reflect that we count them more significant than we are. Are they more significant than we are? God loves every one of us. But we are to interact with them as though they are more significant than we are. Now, I can feel a little bit of resistance in myself. It's like, wait a minute here, you know. I, you know, I've worked harder than them. I've saved harder than them. I, I, I have many more accomplishments than they have. They should serve me. But Jesus is saying, no, treat them in such a way that it says that you count them to be more significant than yourselves. I've got that emotion where I just feel like I'd like to cry but it's not strong enough to actually do it. It's just, wow, to treat them as though they were more significant than I am. This is the heart of a servant. You see, intimacy, I love intimacy with God. Intimacy, time spent in the presence of God, as I mentioned in some of my first words of this message, intimacy with God uh, and, and the spirit of worship and the spirit of just being in the presence of God is awesome and it's phenomenal. How many of you love being in the presence of God? If I was Pastor Randy, I'd make you do that again. <laughs> I love being in the presence of God and I love the way that he moves and he works in me. I love experiencing God. You know, our faith is not all based on experience, is it? It's faith. But I love it when I experience God. And I experience him not just in my emotions, but I experience him with my total being. I experience him physically and intellectually and emotionally and spiritually. I encounter God and I experience God. But what is the purpose of intimacy with God? 
What is the purpose of our coming together and, and experiencing God? I mean, there is the transformation that takes place in our lives, but there is a progression that is seen in Philippians chapter 2 as well, that when we experience God, it is for the purpose of incarnation. It is for the purpose of the transformation that takes place in our lives that these hands do the work of Christ, that these feet do the work of Christ, that this mouth does the work of Christ. See, God does not bring you into intimacy in his presence, bring you into intimacy with the Holy Spirit, we know this, just so that we can enjoy the presence of God. I do enjoy the presence of God. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But this is not spent upon you just so that you can have a good time, right? There is a work that's taking place in us that is bringing us into the character and nature of Christ. Intimacy, when, when, when it is working in our lives, when the presence of God is working in our lives, intimacy always leads to incarnation. Intimacy always brings us into this present physical world to touch the needs of people and to touch the lives of the people around us, right? So, we move from self to service as we're transformed. Serving is an evidence of transformation. Serving and ministry is a progression of normal discipleship. It just is a progression of normal discipleship. A heart of service touches on all points of who we are as a church. Christ, community, compassion, it's wrapped up in serving. Now, look, it's important for me to tell you that I'm one of these guys, I gotta feel what I preach. I gotta feel like it's what God wants me to preach. And I always want to come out and say, hey, folks, I really believe God wants me to say this. You know, it should be implied by the fact that I'm up here talking. But I really believe that God wants to say this. And Pastor Randy thinks last Sunday that I was taking notes of everything that he was saying. You don't have to tell him this, but actually I was typing out the points to this message because the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me, and I was trying to get down as much of it as I could, and it just really began to flow, and it really began to connect. You see, Jesus championed leading and living from a serving heart. Serving is our vehicle for serving God. It is incarnation. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but What's happening here is this story of the sons of Zebedee and, and uh, the mother, their mother is wanting them to have this place of importance in this coming kingdom of God that Jesus is leading. You know the story. Jesus is saying to them, you know, guys, I'm not sure you really know what you're asking for, not sure that you really want this. And it comes down to Jesus beginning to teach them about relational interaction and about serving and it says in in but Jesus called them to him and said about three-fourths of the way in this passage you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them it shall not be so among you. 
But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is such a pivotal verse of Scripture in church leadership. It's such a pivotal verse of Scripture in the the progression of our discipleship that anytime we are in a leadership situation, anytime we are in a relational interaction, we are understanding that when we are in that place of leadership that we are to serve rather than to see ourselves as one that's going to get their way. If you are a leader or a boss at work, this is where it gets hard because Jesus calls you to be a servant leader, that you should lead in your home. And a leader models the way life is to be lived. That's what a leader is, modeling the way life is to be lived. Jesus calls you to be a servant leader in your home. This is the gospel that the greater responsibility that I have for leadership is the greater call to be a servant to those that I am leading. This is the way of Christ, and this is what leadership looks like. It's what leadership looks like in the home. I should serve my spouse as a leader who is modeling the character and the compassion of Christ to her. I should serve my children we we think it should be the other way around and if they're following Christ then they too should be servants but I should serve my children in that I am modeling to them the way that they should live their life according to the way of Christ Jesus calls you to be a servant leader in your home and you should be a leader in this church You know, if the only tool you have is a hammer, then everything's a nail. You know know what I mean? And so I'm always evaluating because I see everyone as a leader. And the reason I see everyone as a leader in the church is this is the progression of discipleship. I love the discipleship track that is building. And in that progression of discipleship, we come to know who Jesus is. We follow him. We grow in serving, and we launch out to make disciples. And so there is that sense that every one of us, as followers of Jesus Christ, come to this place where we are modeling the way to live to someone. And that's why I will pose to you that every one of us is to grow into leadership. Every one of us is to grow into servant leadership. And every one of us is to serve God as one who is modeling who Jesus is to the people that we influence in our lives. That's really good. Come on, Pastor Aaron, you're shaking your head, man. Give me some help here. I'm I'm having a great time. I hope you guys are. And so a leader models the way, and here's a little poem that I want you to remember not only today, but remember it every time you walk in here. What kind of church would this church be if every member were just like me? (laughs) What kind of church would this church be if every one of its members was just like me? If everybody gave the way I give, 
what kind of church would this be? If everybody served the way that I serve, what kind of church would this be? If everyone was friendly like I am, what kind of church would this church be? And so we take that on. We all have different gifts, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But Jesus calls every one of us to be a servant leader in this church. And who will answer that call? Secondly, we see that Jesus modeled a serving heart. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. This is the passage where Jesus takes the basin out and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Again, we understand this passage of Scripture to be significant because Jesus is teaching them, this is what you do when I'm gone. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is the way you lead. This is the way you serve. So that the Son of God, you've heard this preached many times, I'm sure, but it's never lost on me that the Son of God bows to wash the feet of his followers. This is the example that we follow. So how do we model a servant's heart? And how do I know if I have a serving heart like that of Jesus? You know what used to tick me off? <laughs> That's an American term. Does that translate into South Africa? I hope it does. Every once in a while, I think, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not. <laughs> Is it okay to say that? Okay, good. And you always to take me off. Now, you know, there's reasons for things, and I think we need to be grace givers, all right? Right? Let's be grace givers. But I never like to pull into a church parking lot, and the primo number one parking space said, Pastor Parking, right here. I hated that. In the office that I worked at before that served the churches of Indiana, all of the administrative assistants would come, different people would come, they would park nearest the door. Where I made it a point to park in the furthest away parking spot at that facility. Why? Because as I'm walking across the parking lot, I'm remembering that I'm here to serve. And as I'm walking across that parking lot, even on those days when I wore that suit and that tie and I was burning up, man, I'd see a piece of paper on the ground, I'd think, you know, that sorry cleaning guy, man, he should have picked up that paper. But no, what I need to think is, this is an opportunity to serve. I not only serve my organization when I bend down and pick up that piece of paper, but I serve that, I serve that man that cleans the property, and I help him and I serve him. And in that action of picking up that piece of paper, I'm demonstrating that I have a heart of Jesus to serve. Come on, is this real life? Is this the way this works? When I go into the lavatory of this church, y'all, some of y'all people are just messy, man. I don't understand how you get all that water all over the top of the sink. I was at a conference once, and there was a man speaking at the conference who had been a leader in the church in Vietnam. A great respect for this man, the true apostle. He was the speaker of the conference. This man had to leave Vietnam because he had a price on his head, and they were going to kill him, so he had to leave. 
But in the 10 years prior to that, he was in prison for preaching the gospel more than he was not in prison. They would come in the night and they would just take him. He had a bag because in the prisons in Vietnam, you, they don't give you stuff, you bring your own stuff. So he had a bag with comb and some personal, you know, a, a comb and toothbrush and some basics that he would need in prison. And he slept with that by his bed. So that when they would come in the night to arrest him because he had been preaching the gospel, he could just grab that bag and he was good to go. Spent more of that 10 years in prison than not. I got to respect that. I just got to respect that. But I don't remember one word he spoke at that conference. But I was in, I was in the lavatory or the toilet. I was washing my hands, and there was another sink. And he came in, and he goes to the sink, and he washes his hands. And then he takes towels, and he wipes the whole sink down, wipes the faucet down, dries the entire sink top, puts the toweling in the, in the trash, and walks out. I'm standing there and I'm thinking, wow, I need to find opportunities to serve. Are you all with me? Pastors, a lot of times I go into the lavatory here and I just wipe it all down. Sometimes I think, gee, you people have got this thing really messed up this morning. I'm just out of here. You know, I'm a human being. What can I say? But we need to look for opportunities to serve in that way. That if we go into the lavatory, now I'm really dwelling on this now. Last thing I'll say about it, if, if the toilet is an embarrassment, just find a way to solve it. Find a way to serve. It applies in so many different ways. How do we know if we have a heart to serve or not? How do you know if you have a servant's heart? The number one way you can know is how do you act when people treat you like a servant? I don't like it much, but it tells me something about myself. This is the way of Christ. And so experiencing the joy of serving, how do we serve others? What does serving look like? What are the characteristics of someone serving Christ <clears throat> and serving each other? First of all, Serving expresses love. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. I'll just say one part of this verse of Scripture. Outdo one another in showing honor. Isn't that awesome? That's a word for North Place. This, and see, it's not just like, oh, you know, I've got to, I've, I've got to humiliate myself or I've got to, no, this is the opportunity. This is the joy. This is the joy that Jesus brings into our lives. Outdo one another in showing honor. I've seen it already at North Place, so I think you guys are doing pretty good with it. This isn't a message where I'm saying, you guys got this all wrong. I'm saying I see this. And I commend you. Oh, let me have the opportunity to do that. 
oh, you, you got to serve last week. It's my, it's my turn to serve. Let me, okay, well, I'll serve you by letting you serve. Let's just outdo one another in showing honor. You see, love bids us to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Say it again. Love bids us to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. When I love, I'm willing to learn what's important to the other person. Probably going to be a part of the marriage enrichment thing. When I love, I learn what's important to the other person. When I love, I'm willing to learn how to communicate with the other person the way they communicate. You know why there's so much conflict? It's because we want to communicate the way we communicate all the time. When, when, we, when you are communicating, you need to figure out how the other person communicates, and you need to communicate that way, and that's an act of love and service to them. When I show more care for the person than I do for the task, that shows love. I love you more than I love the task. And so serving expresses love when I serve you love. Most of you know um, our story, and I, I don't think I've preached one time in the last nine years that it didn't come up at least once, so I don't want to break that streak. You know, streaks are important. But Don and I both lost a spouse before we knew one another, and there is this one moment that I learned something about serving. And I've pondered it long and hard. But on that day, when they put Joyce in the ambulance and they drove away and I followed the ambulance. And in my mind, I can see everything that happened that day completely. And as I followed the ambulance, it was driving faster than I felt that I should, so it kept getting further and further away. If it had been South Africa, man, I would have been right with it. <laughs> I love driving here. It's awesome. But I watched, and I can still see that ambulance getting further and further away with the lights flashing on it and going to the hospital. And you know, I prayed the strangest prayer. And I've thought long and hard about it because I didn't understand. But I said, Lord, I pray that you would heal her because I just want to serve her. Weird. And I'm, man, I'm following this ambulance. And I didn't know how the day was going to turn out yet, but. I just thought of all the opportunities that I had to serve her, and I didn't take those opportunities. And I was praying, God, give me another chance to serve her. Why was I thinking that way? I did, I, it was curiosity to me for years. But I came to realize that when we love people, we serve them. And this is why service is expressed in love. If I love people, I serve them. If I love people, I treat them the way that they want to be treated. Serving expresses humility. Romans chapter 12, in the J.B. Phillips translation, I love it. There's this one piece that says, don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your importance. 
but try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by the light of faith that God has given to you all. And the rest of that verse talks about gifts, it talks about calling, it talks about the place that we have in the body of Christ. One of the dumbest things I ever said as a pastor, I was still in my 20s, so I was still learning. I'd only been pastoring church for about a year, maybe not even that long. I made a statement one morning that I, I just wish that I could clone myself. If I could clone myself, then I could do children's ministry. If I could clone myself, then I could do, I could, I could greet people as they came in. I was trying to make a point, but the point that I basically made was that none of them were really good enough to do anything, and if I could only clone myself so that I could do everything, it would really work well. And there was a measure of truth to that. <laughs> but see, don't have an exaggerated don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your importance, but, have, but try to have a sane estimation of your capabilities. See, humility empowers us to avoid overestimating or underestimating ourselves. It's self-awareness. Humility empowers us to keep our talents and accomplishments in perspective, to realize that the entire body of Christ has a role that must be fulfilled in serving. Every one of us has a role that we fulfill in serving. Not, not only am I not to have this bigger, I need to have a sane estimation. And there are times that I feel absolutely unworthy to serve, but yet God has called me to serve in that area. God and I have this conversation all the time. I have this conversation with Pastor Randy. I've had it with him so many times that I've decided I'm never going to have this conversation with him again. Randy, if you want somebody else to lead this thing that we're trying to do, I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm hoping somebody else will because I don't need to be in charge, you know. I don't need to lead this thing. I would love to just serve in other ways. Why? Because I believe other people could do it better but it's what God's called me to do, see? And where you serve, somebody else might be able to do it better, but this is the place where God has called you to serve. Serving expresses altruism. Beware, Matthew 6, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. This is like, you know, if, if you're going to help someone who's homeless, you don't need to do a video of it to put it on Facebook or social media. Try to be very, very careful about that. Why are we doing what we're doing? Are we looking for a reward? Are we looking for applause? See, altruism is serving others for the sake of serving when there is no expectation or hope or possibility of reciprocity. This is the heart of service where there is no hope of reciprocity. Altruism is the opposite of self-interest. And to go back to Philippians 2, 3, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. What we do is out of love. It's not to gain anything in return. This is the true heart of serving. He had a phenomenal missions emphasis last week. And I know that one of the needs presented for 
one of our partners in mission who had visa issues and needed finances to get them sorted in another country. Those needs were met. Hallelujah. Woo. Yeah, you can, you can celebrate. I know that more than 22,000 ran a month for missions committed. That's phenomenal because it's, it's going out. It is something that's done for the love. One of the areas where we need to grow and where a church needs to grow is in the area of giving. It's in the area of tithing. And this is where I love preaching at a church where, you know, I, I give to this church. I don't receive other than receiving your love. But we, we must grow in tithing which is the 10%. I've served many, many churches. North Place cannot do the work of ministry that we are together called to do unless its people are a tithing people. To sustain a work that the church needs to do in a community, about 40%, I would that all of God's people did, but there have to be at least 40% in order to sustain the work that God's called this church to do in the community. And I just want to let you know that we enjoy this place. I enjoy the air conditioning this morning. I enjoy the comforts that come from this building and the ability to come together. Y'all are thinking, you've done gone to meddling now, dude. But as we covenant partner together in this church, one of the things that's very necessary is tithing. This is something that as I've traveled and I've spoken in churches, I have discovered and I know that it's very difficult for the pastor to say these things. But I know that Pastor Randy and Desra have a heart for this congregation. I know that they don't receive income from this congregation. But I can tell you it would lift a huge weight from them if you would tithe and you would support the finances of this church. God has provided a building in a miraculous way of such that I have never seen before in my 40 years of ministry. I can't believe it. It is amazing. It is unbelievable how God has provided all that he's provided for this church. And I want you to know that it's, it's not only what's happening here, but everything that you do, the internship, the discipleship ministries, growth track, everything that you do together, Royal Family Kids Camp. It's happening here, but we're also templating this in other churches in urban centers in Africa. And for some reason, God has chosen us, you, me, us, to be in a position to not only affect Durban, which is the main focus of this church, but folks, we are impacting people all over the continent, out of here. And what you are doing is impacting people. Are we still friends? All over the continent. I have seen something in Pastor Randy and Desra that is absolutely uncommon. I feel like part of the reason God brought Donna and I to Durban is to be with them. And I'm thankful for what is in his heart. And I'm thankful for 
they're doing, and I'm so thankful for the love, the undying love that they have for this congregation. And I just want to encourage you to think about our serving and to think about our giving. And this is a point in time where the ministry of North Place shifts and begins to really go forth. We can feel it. You can feel it. We can see it. And what it's going to take to clothe the naked and feed the hungry, to do the work of compassion in this city, to make Jesus known in Durban, is our servant hearts, that we put our hands to it, that we do what God has called us to do, and that we give what God has called us to give, and we, we demonstrate the compassion of Christ to this community. And so I encourage you to think about that. And I've hit that a little harder because I know how hard it is for a pastor who preaches because he never wants anyone to, to wonder what his motivations are. We can shift the trajectory of this church. God's made the first move, and it's our turn. And when I look at the activity of God, I'm always looking, what is God doing? God is doing phenomenal things in the house and the miracle is always in the house that God has brought a group of people together to do in this community what he wants done and everything we need to do it is in the house thank the Lord even as it is in first Kings chapter 17 with Elijah and the widow all that's needed for the miracle is in the house see serving expresses a vision for others we serve because we believe in the possibilities of the future of those that we serve. We believe that God is big enough to do astounding, incredible things that we cannot even come up with or imagine. And because we have that vision and we have this faith, we serve as an act of our faith. We serve because we believe in the possibilities. We serve others because we believe in the ability of God to transform their future I mean, that's what the kids' camp is all about. We serve those kids that can give absolutely nothing in return because we have a vision for what God is able to do in their lives. We believe and we have this vision. Serving expresses trust, that we've got to extend trust before trust is extended to us. Where there is trust, motivations are not questioned. And serving demonstrates our motives. And when the integrity of our motives have known, then people can trust us and they can trust our serving. Serving expresses empowerment. When we listen, we empower others. North Place is about empowering you so that you can empower others through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so, practically speaking, we look for opportunities to practice the transformation of Christ. We look for opportunities to serve. How about we do this? I did this 360 evaluation once and it showed that I was really weak in serving. You know how I fixed it? I decided to do one intentional act of service every day for a period of time to get into the practice of serving. What would happen if we all decided, I'm going to do one intentional act of service this week, or one, one, inten let, one intentional act of service every day this week, just to see what God does. Matthew chapter 5, 
Jesus gives instructions, says, if anyone takes your coat, go ahead and give them your shirt. Why? See, it was the law that day that if a soldier asked you for your coat, you had to give it to him. If a soldier asked you to go a mile to show them something, you had to do it. It was the law. Jesus said, don't chafe because you have to give him your coat. Give him your coat and then give him your shirt because then you go the extra mile and you show that you're serving. Someone makes you go a mile, a soldier makes you go a mile to show him where something is. They couldn't compel you to go more than one mile. That was the law. But Jesus is saying, why am I getting emotional? So Jesus is saying, go too. Go two, because you have to go one, and that doesn't mean anything. But when you go two, you did it because you wanted to. You did it because of the character and nature of Christ. And in your home and in your family and your service in this church, your service in the workplace, you have obligations. You have things that you must do. But wow, what if you do two? Just to show the love of Christ just as an expression of service. Serving is about surrender. Serving God, serving others is about surrender. Yeah, come on, cat. It's about serving and it's about surrender. It's that point where I say, I will go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. And I'll be who you want me to be. We offer that up to God. And this morning I challenge you. I've put a lot of challenges in this message. I want to give God an opportunity to speak to our hearts. You know, there are many, many opportunities to serve at North Place. Pastor Aaron will talk with you about that in a moment. If you knew me, you would know that I don't like to do anything that makes anybody uncomfortable. I like to be the happy guy that smiles all the time. But as we come before God, I want you to put it before God. Lord, what, what is this serving that you're calling me to do? And as we, as we worship the Lord and we give him an opportunity to speak to us, what is my act of service that you're calling me to in every sphere of my life, in my family, if you're married toward your spouse, your kids, what's the area of serving that God's calling? What's the opportunity for serving? What are you calling me to do? What about the workplace? What about here in this community of faith? What God's called us to do and to be. The expression of serving and giving Ask God, he phenomenally responded to missions. But God, how would you have me serve? And how would you have me give? So that we can do what you've called us to do. But more important than doing, so that we have the mind of Christ and we have the being of Christ that we're demonstrating. I'd just like to ask you to stand together. Let's worship God. Let's let God begin to speak to our hearts. The prayer team will be here to pray with you. Maybe that you don't know Jesus 
as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you've never committed to follow him, and you're wondering about this Jesus who has this heart of compassion and this heart of love and this heart of serving. We've been transformed by this heart of Christ, and you can be transformed by the heart of Jesus Christ this morning and know him in an incredibly powerful way. But as we stand before God, when I was a little kid, well, a teenager actually, I had this prayer that I prayed. I prayed it my whole life. Jesus, I'll go where you want me to go. people who know something. I like being at home. I always just want to be home. This is home. I don't want to go to Mozambique next week. I want to be home. I don't want to go to Cote d'Ivoire later in the month. I want to be home. I didn't even want to be here. I wanted to be home. But now this is home. But you see, I said, I'll go where you want me to go. And that doesn't have an expiration. It just doesn't. God has stuff for you that you can't even imagine. And it's all good. It's all good, folks. You believe it? God has stuff for you that if you just open your little hand that all the blood's drained out of your hand because you can't let go of stuff. I can tell you. I'm turning into an old guy. But I can tell you, if you just pry those fingers open and you give it to God, do incredible stuff that you can't even imagine. Do you believe it? He will. We spend so much of our lives holding on to stuff and not letting go of it when all we have to do is open our hands and trust God. And He does incredible stuff. I don't know if we can impact Him longer or not in my Durban North. Fokini. I don't know. And what about Maputo? And what about Khartoum? And what about Cape Town? What about Kinshasa? What about Abidjan, Banjul, Dakar? What about your home? I don't know. But I know God. And I know right here, right now, God's going to do incredible things. So as we worship God, prayer team, come so that you're available. Whatever, whatever you need someone to pray with you about, they're here to pray with you. Let's worship God. Here's what I want you to do. If you can, you don't have to do it right away, but I do this often. Just show God your open hands you can. You might start out with them closed, but as you worship God, find a way to open them and show God your open hands.
I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be who you want me to be. Let's worship God and let God speak to your heart right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. The transformation that needs to take place in us. God, we look at who you are. We look at what you're doing. And you are doing something always that's so much bigger than who we are and what we are. But God, you are able. You are mighty. Father, we respond to your presence. We respond to who you are. Transform us, Lord. Change us into your life. Take a moment just to worship God, then Pastor Aaron will come. This morning, we're so glad that you're here with us, that you chose to worship with us. Father, we love you. I pray today that you will bless your people as we go, that the heart of Jesus, the servant heart, as Pastor David said, would show us one act of service we can do today and tomorrow and the next day. What's one thing I can do each day? Lord, bless them, protect them, and keep them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you. We hope to see you next week.